Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be giving you guys recaps on the Thunder's last two preseason games and I'm going to be giving some roster updates a lot of which has to do with the OKC Blue. And to top things all off, guys, I have a really good deal from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss it. But first, guys, I just want to apologize a little bit. My mantra ever since I've kind of created this podcast is every single day I'm trying to get a podcast out to you guys. It doesn't matter if it's regular season, NBA Finals content, or it's like the middle of July or August where there's nothing to talk about. I've always wanted to get pods out, and that was the goal. I said it on Twitter. I'll say it on here. I was extremely busy the last couple days. Kind of got to this ultimatum where either I was podcasting or I was studying for some midterms. I had to go with the midterm side for right now, but I'm done for right now, so I'm good. I will be able to get these daily pods out to you guys, especially when the regular season kicks off, but my apologies, and that's kind of why you saw a little bit of a break in the action from me, and it leads to two games coming to one podcast for today's episode. The first one came against the Milwaukee Bucks. This was a primetime game. Finally got to see the Thunder on ESPN. The last time we saw it, was actually in the, uh, not the preseason, the summer league, because the Detroit Pistons. Cade Cunningham came in, the Thunder were able to defeat the Pistons, and that's where Giddy got hurt after like a minute of play, had to get pulled out after five minutes. But before that, there was no national television games all of last season. The Thunder, they were just on Bally Sports, Fox Sports Oklahoma, whatever you want to call it. Same thing for this season. This was the only national TV game you were going to find for the Thunder and it didn't even last in the 82-game schedule. They had to put it against the Bucks, where there were only about two or three other games to pick from. Went the route of the Thunder, which is always nice. But yeah, not a lot of national coverage here. And the Thunder, they needed to make a statement in this one. And here's the thing. And I'll try to condense it, like I said, because there are two games. Um, but... Yeah, it just was not working out for Milwaukee. They had Giannis. They had Chris Middleton, both of which were listed as questionable before the game. But they were out there, clocked in at the scores table, and they were rocking and rolling by the get-go of this one. There was about nothing the Thunder could do on the interior. Giannis started scoring at will. It didn't matter if it was layups, dunks. I mean, he was posterizing. I think it was Baisley he caught a body on. But they were just running rampant from the beginning of the contest and whenever you saw the first stoppage it was 15 to 8 in the Bucks side because they were able to source 12 consecutive points between Giannis and Middleton that's where you got to and the Thunder they really didn't have a solution for it luckily they had Lou Dort who in that 15-8 run accumulated six of those points off of two triples but there were not many options for the Thunder. It was a lot of missed shots. And for the Bucks, they just had to reap the rewards of no real big man because they decided, or Mark Dagnall did, he decided he was going to play Jeremiah Robinson Earl at that starting center spot as opposed to Isaiah Roby. No Derek Favors in this game. That's why you kind of go to the non-traditional centers here. But it just was not working. A lot of room was available in the paint. Because of that, you could get Giannis slashing inside on Baisley or... You know, when he's driving in, you're going to bring in two, three other guys to stop Giannis. That's a wide open three. And that's kind of where they started looking uh, later on into this corner. But 
Uh, you saw a lot of that from the Bucks, where they were just getting wide open shots. This was the entirety of the first quarter. They had 48 first quarter points, and they were not missing shots from anywhere. They shot 20 of 25 from the floor, and they shot 8 of 10 from 3. So no drop off anywhere. Lights out. Didn't matter if it was the starting unit or the second unit. Everybody was kind of just holding that standard to themselves. They're playing like some stars out there. And for the Thunder, you know, they weren't playing terribly on the offensive side. It was a lot about the defense in the first. They had 32 points by that first buzzer. And they had pretty good efficiency on it. But like I said, a lot of that just came on a defensive side where they could not stop anybody. They still shot well, though. 12 of 24, that's 50%. And then from three, they started out pretty hot. A couple missed shots at the end kind of dwindled their percentage here, but they shot 7 of 13, and Lou Dort was the guy. I talked about the six points he had early. He was the only consistent source of offense that the Thunder had, and it's because the Bucks weren't really taking him seriously from downtown. He had those wide-open shots, was just straight unconscious. He had 15 of those 32 points going into quarter number two. And for quarter number two, the Milwaukee Bucks, they kept going right at it. They got anything they wanted just as it was in the first 12 minutes they had a 20 to 1 run to start this quarter got them a 25 point lead easily and for the thunder side they missed 12 consecutive shots through the first six minutes they only got free throws to kind of get up on the board there and it got bad so you start looking at this snowball effect coming from the bucks where you're seeing the thunder potentially going down well into the 30s at their worst, they were down 37 points at the halftime buzzer. It was 81 to 54 at half. And that's a kind of stat, you know, 81 points. You're comparing that to the Pacers game they had last year where they dropped what? Like 152, maybe even more than that against the Thunder. They set a franchise record. And of course, this isn't a regular season game, but you don't want to see 81 points on the board uh, by halftime. And then especially when you only have 54, I mean, it was still a pretty eventful quarter for them offensively, but they only were able to get 22 points, had 32 in the first, whereas with the Bucks, really not that much of a difference uh, in terms of shot selection and obviously scoring. So they had a couple of decent plays. I'd say there was a middle of the quarter run where SGA and Trey Mann were doing pretty well. I mean, you saw step backs from them. You saw a lot of finger rolls from Trey Mann. There was one where right as, I, I forgot which guard it was, but crosses the timeline, Trey Mann immediately picks his pocket, gets an easy two points on the other end with a finger roll. So that's what I took away from that. Um, but they shot 33% in the second quarter, and I think that's the main takeaway as to why they really could never stick with them through the first uh, first two quarters of play. But you had Lou Dort as the guy. He just had 15 in the first quarter, finished the half with 19 points, shooting 7 of 11 uh, and 4 of 6 overall. And then SGA, he was the only other guy to get into double digits. He had 12 points with six assists, which is much, much better than what he did in the first contest. So that was very impressive from him. As opposed um, to the Thunder, you look at the Bucks. I mean, they were not missing any shots whatsoever. They had the 80% clip in the first quarter, really didn't go much further down in the second quarter. And they were just looking at pretty much everybody you want in the box score. They were efficient. They were getting the double digits. And for guys like Giannis and Chris Middleton, they were already pulled by that point because the game 
Uh, it wasn't over per se, but they had a lot of momentum their way, and it wasn't like the second unit was doing terrible for them. They were doing just as well, if not even better, at some portions during the first half. So you go into that second half looking for some sort of comeback effort. The Thunder got it. You had two threes and a Darius Baisley layup to get inside 20 points. So you were talking about them being down, what was it, 37 points at halftime? Going right at it go into 19 points, that was serious business, but then you saw the Bucks get back, there was a Brook Lopez poster over Mike Muscala, no driving whatsoever, like he was just standing right under um, the restricted zone, and then, you know, Muscala just happened to be right under the basket, so it wasn't like a major, major poster, but it definitely happened, got them back afloat up 21 points, and then you just saw the Thunder and Bucks take swings back and forth to where the offenses, they were both really effective, not any defense to be seen though. You saw Josh Giddy uh, and Mike Muscala kind of make a pairing in the middle of that third quarter. You had an assist going to Muscala for a mid-range. Josh Giddy was going inside for 21-foot pull-ups, kicking it out to other players as well. So it was a very enjoyable third quarter. Had Aaron Wiggins go in early, which is something that we did not see in the first game. Aaron Wiggins got all of like seven minutes, got 12 points. They put him in immediately for the second half. You didn't really see anything until maybe the latter parts of the quarter, but he did get a 26 foot three to put his name on the board. Got a timeout from the Bucks end after that shot went in. And, you know, you kind of just had that going on. So the Bucks, they didn't really lose their lead. The momentum was still there, but you could tell, you know, if they got in some sort of shooting slump, the Thunder would have made them pay. Was none of that though. By the time the Bucks had 100 points, they were up 27 points, but then Thunder, they clapped back with two threes. Ty Jerome hits a 27-footer and a 29-footer in that period, and then at the end of the third, Milwaukee was still up pretty comfortably. It was 104 to 81, but you did see some impressive moments from the Thunder. And for the fourth quarter, a lot of it was just checking out the bottom of the depth chart. We didn't get to see guys like DJ Wilson or Rob Edwards in the first contest. You saw a little bit of uh, Mamadi Daikite, but not enough so they just wanted to put all them in there which I really like that's what I said in last podcast like he needs to play them and there were some rewards that came out of this you saw Trey Mann he got his first three in a Thunder uniform DJ Wilson got some minutes so did Rob Edwards and Rob Edwards did exactly what Rob Edwards does just scores points two immediate threes and it came from his sweet spot If you guys listened to me during the G League last season, you know the left wing is where he hovers. And when he gets the basketball from the left wing, he's going to pop it immediately. It doesn't matter if he's moving. He doesn't need to step into it. Just take it. He can get hot quick, and he did so. I think he missed one three-pointer, but he hit two straight in a span of about 50 seconds. Same exact spot, same exact result. Beautiful arc on it swishes it home six points in about three or four total minutes from him so that was the big takeaway it was kind of just the Aaron Wiggins of this game where one of the guys that maybe didn't get enough opportunity showed out Uh, but it was over by that point the Bucks they won this one 130 to 110 gave them their first victory and then for the Thunder they went down to 0-2 heading to the Paycom to play the Denver Nuggets 
big thing from the game before I go into the Nuggets one, of course, is just they couldn't play defense. There was no center, no interior force, and you know, you can't really blame them. You have to look at this Thunder team, especially with the guys that they had out for that game. You had Roby, you had Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Mike Muscala. I guess that's your best true center. DJ Wilson, I wouldn't really coin him as one. They didn't have the Derek Favors. They didn't have guys of the past like a Steven Adams or something where you know, you know, if a guy is trying to penetrate, there's a brick wall right in front of him. There was not a brick wall on this Thunder team. And when you have Giannis, you know, Giannis, he doesn't look at anybody like a brick wall. He's just going to go right through you and get some buckets. And that's kind of how it was, not just for him, but for everybody on this team. Guards that I don't think have any business driving inside were doing so whenever they wanted to. It just resulted in a lot of points coming from the paint and a lot of wide open shots going in the Bucks' direction. So you saw the Bucks shoot 54%. That's a lot better in comparison to the first 12 minutes, of course. But 51 of 94 is no joke. And then from three, 54% from there. Hit 23s, only took 37 overall. And it was just big time for them. The points in the paint... They had 50 there, but even from three, you know, they had more points coming um, from there. And a lot of that just had to do with the penetration game that the Bucks possessed. You know, you just got to get a screen their way. If you got a half step, one step on whoever the big man would have been for the Thunder, you need to bring that help. And a lot of people just got stuck in no man's land, honestly, where they couldn't have stopped a layup, but also... You know, they're way too far out from the corner or wherever they need to be. The matchup they're on is just wide open. They'd hit them. They'd hit their shots. And that was kind of it. That was the story of this game. And they really just needed somebody to help out um, when it came to the drives. Couldn't really source one, though. When you look at the best players from this game, Lou Dort was number one easily. Had 19 points with that 7-11 of 11 shooting. Didn't have to play in that second half. You know, you do want to keep guys to more restrictions, I would say, especially the top guys uh, when possible in preseason. So I like the move to pull him out. But yeah, he was legitimate from three. That's been the strongest part of his game, I'd say, in the preseason so far. Might be a bit of a hint as to what we saw in yesterday's contest, but he was legit. And so was Ty Jerome. He was not great in the first game, I would say. Still impressive, but this one was definitely a better one for him. Had 13 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists off the bench. A lot of those shots did come from the 3-point range. SGA, just like Lou Dort, didn't have to play in that second half. Really liked him, though, from this one. Had 12 points and those 6 assists. Went 5 of 10. The big deal was just the lack of turnovers. You know, there were a lot of turnovers in the first contest we saw from them. Just limited it. Zero there. And that was the big thing. So I wasn't really looking at points. I was just looking at some sweet plays. Did a very good job uh, when it came to driving inside. Had a lot of double teams come his way. And that's why you saw a lot more assists. Josh Giddy, um, some people thought he was dropping a triple-double in this game. Did not. This was his 19th birthday. Ended up posting 9 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists. So, kind of flirting with triple-double territory. Never really breached it, though. Went 3 of 4 from the foul line. You just want to see a lot more shooting from him. We know the passing is serious. There were a lot of good passes from Josh Giddy, And some of those, you know, were coming through a lot of pressure. Great on-ball wisdom to kind of just navigate through everybody because... 
you know, this Bucks team in particular, they got some really lengthy defenders that are going to make you pay. Didn't seem like a huge hindrance to Josh Giddy and how he was working. He also had zero turnovers to show for it. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, that's the last guy I'm going to touch base on. He shot 2 of 11 in the starting gig, but those shots, very high shot selection. The Bucks wanted to test him just like they used to with Isaiah Roby. You want to set a high ball screen? Sure. Set a high ball screen, pop out. We're going to double team SGA and we're going to make you pass it out to Jeremiah Robinson Earl and take that jumper. SGA and whoever it was, could have been Teo, could have been Josh, uh, Ty, they were kicking it out to him and he was taking the jumper if he had space. You didn't really see a lot of second guessing from him. And even though he shot two of 11 and he shot two of eight from three point range, I just like seeing that. I don't want to see people kind of cowering away from taking those shots especially when for the Thunder's case they are looking to build something here a lot of it is just culture building that's what we've heard a lot since media day and it's glad to kind of see they're willing to take some trial and error even though it is preseason uh, they're just willing to take those risks and experiment a little bit so they lose that one but yesterday they went back to the paycom to play against the Denver Nuggets and before I go into that game I just want to let you guys know a little bit about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in NFL history was in 1943, so it's pretty much a no-brainer. Here's all you have to do. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TBPN. PN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or if in Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. But guys, moving right along to the second match against the Nuggets. Talked about it a second ago uh, before I dropped a little bit of wisdom from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. But this was a matchup where, you know, you're going back to Paycom. You got the Nuggets who were winless. The Thunder, they're also winless going into this game. You'd think it's kind of even ground, but you got to look at the rosters here. I mean, the Nuggets, they were serious business last season. You had Nikola Jokic, who won the MVP last year. Michael Porter Jr., who got a five-year maximum extension over the offseason. You have a lot of very solid guys coming into the rotation. Will Barton's there, Monte Morris, Aaron Gordon as an acquisition you have. The only real guy who is gone, I would say, is Jamal Murray, but... Even with that, that is a very good team. That's a playoff team. I don't know if it's contending, but it's probably going to be making it in uh, without a play-in attached. For the Thunder, though, I mean, they're just rolling out the same team as usual, like just a rookie class with SGA and Lou Dort sprinkled in there. 
The big difference we saw, though, was Derek Favors got the starting nod. He was cleared. He was dealing with a lot of just like treatment during training camp, and I don't know if that's what actually held him back from contests, but he was good to go for this one. Finally was able to kind of make the timelines align. So he was good to go. He checked in with Giddy, SGA, Dort, and Baisley, and this was a very eventful first quarter. Darius Baisley in the last two games was not that impressive. You know, he had moments, and I think sometimes he kind of is just the guy that a lot of people want to just stick all the negativity to. Like, if he makes a bad play, everything's his fault. If he's not even in the game and there's a bad play, hell, you might want to say it's Darius Baisley's fault. And sometimes it actually is. You know, he does have those slip-ups, but... Sometimes, you know, he's all right, and I would say he does have his moments. He had his moment in the first quarter. He was not missing from anywhere. He showed this side of Darius Baisley that we've waited to see for about a year. This was the best quarter I'd say I saw from Darius Baisley in about a season. I know there were some times, I think the back end of this year, he had like 16 or 18 points in one quarter, and he was just going off. With this one, though, It wasn't like he was just the center of attention where it's get out of my way. I'm going bully ball style. He was just working in unison with the team. And over the course of the first quarter, he was collecting a lot of points. He had 13 first quarter points, shot four of four, two of two from downtown and hit all three free throws while adding four rebounds. And that was kind of the spark that the Thunder needed. They were up 29 to 23 moving on into that second quarter. And I don't think they've really won many quarters at this point in the preseason. Definitely not in the first quarter. So they set the tone through Bays, but you also got to look at Derek Favors, who was also a big spark plug in this game, not just offensively, but defensively. Biggest signs probably showed up in the first five minutes or so, just the mid-range game, setting a screen for SGA and just picking his spots around the basket. Went two of three here, one of which was like a post move, one of which was just a face-up J, uh, but it was still pretty good. And then for SGA's sake, he ended up having five points in the quarter. You know, he was just kind of playing his role, and I'd say about everybody was. So Bayes was really the commander here, but a lot of compliments to go around him that just kind of outnumbered what the Nuggets were doing. They couldn't find their stride. They shot 38% in the first quarter. Michael Porter Jr. only had four points. Jokic, you know, he was beasting. A lot of the shots do have to come in the paint, sadly, because of how this team is just set up. He had nine points there with all but one of his shots coming from the interior. And that's just kind of where things stood at. So the Thunder, they were right in this game. And every single time, you know, the Nuggets got a shot in, they were looking to put two more baskets in to kind of even things up. And that's the same motto they used in the second quarter because it was still neck and neck. It was back and forth. The Nuggets won the quarter 25 to 24. So when you look at it, they did um, they did beat that. But when you're checking things out in terms of who was winning by halftime, it was the Thunder by five points. So this was pretty damn big. Michael Porter Jr. erupted for the Nuggets in the second quarter. You also had Will Barton, who he always seems to just score a lot against the Thunder. I don't know if that's just me being like, Will Barton shouldn't be dropping 16 a game, but he does it against the Thunder. He had seven points in the quarter, and for Jokic, He wasn't really the same. He wasn't out there dropping nine. He only had three 
or excuse me, he had five points. So 14 by halftime, that's something I think you would go away happy with. So it wasn't terrible in that regard. As for the Thunder, this is kind of where you lean back on to some of the bigger guys. Derek Favors had six more points, so he had double digits by halftime, went three of four, and even tried shooting a three there. Isaiah Roby, he checks in. He had to come off the bench, you know, after kind of getting ousted after the second game, still doing solid. He goes in, hits a layup, has two free throws as well, and they were just rolling. One thing though, Trey Mann, he got to go in this for the second quarter, and unlike the previous games where he was just kind of hiding away, he wasn't playing to his fullest, he was serious. He goes out there, hits a step back three, and then also goes inside for a slash and layup to get his own, so they were right at him for the first 24. In that second half, you kind of just have to keep looking at it like this. They're playing with their back against the wall. The Nuggets, it wasn't like they were pulling out their starters. They were still looking to win. They needed a win against them. You got Jokic, Gordon, Porter, just the whole starting five played half of the third quarter. As for the Thunder, they were looking to do the exact same. This was more of a playoff environment. This was a thing of pride for the Nuggets. They don't want to lose to the Thunder. As for the Thunder, they're just looking to get a win. They're looking to build up that culture. They're going to put in Dort for 10 minutes. They're going to keep Bays in for 10. SGA put him in for 10 as well. Let's just play the starters and try to beat them at their own game. And they did. They outscored the Nuggets 31-24 to in this quarter. The Nuggets couldn't find any sort of cohesion from three. They shot two of 12 from there and went 35% overall in the frame. The Thunder, on the other hand, they were a clean 50-50 from all three levels. 5 of 10 from distance, and then 10 of 20 overall. Isaiah Roby, he was looking to take shots. This is the test that is kind of presented with this roster right now. Derek Favors wasn't out there for the third quarter. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he did get run, but he wasn't at the five. Isaiah Roby was the guy at the helm. Whenever you get a screen, they want Roby. They want whoever it is to be taking these shots, and they just want to test him. Get the ball out of SGA's hands. We'd much rather give up a wide-open jump shot or a slightly contested layup to somebody who we don't value as highly as SGA, and honestly, justly so. But Isaiah Roby, he was right there. He went 2 of 3 from downtown, 3 of 7 from the floor, so a lot of it just came uh, from distance. But if it works... It works. And another man who got things working from distance was Lou Dort. Two of two. He just has been this way from the get-go in preseason. You just got to find him at his spot and he's going to convert for you. So that was the two-way tandem that ended up getting them 17 of their 31. And in the fourth quarter, it was more of the same. The Nuggets did not want to take away their starters. The Thunder, they decided they were going to take their starters out. So you have Jokic playing against guys like Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Gabrielle Deck, who played the entire fourth quarter. Uh, and it, it made for some really good basketball, I'm not going to lie. You had Jokic trying to post up. You had Michael Porter Jr. trying to go all over the place. He didn't play most of it. Jokic was out there, though. They wanted to take that lead, and every single time they went for it, it just gets stripped right away. You'd have Josh Giddy throwing a beautiful laser pass. Trey Mann was going out there hitting his layups. Poku, even though he didn't do anything in terms of shot making, he had two blocks. 
and they were able to just keep them barely below for most of the fourth quarter and really all of it. They ended up winning this game 108 to 99 and it really just came from fending them off late. It's really cool to see that. Like they were doing their same deal as always. You know, uh Mark Dagnall was looking to exhaust that bench. He wants to see everybody before making these roster cuts. The Nuggets, they're probably a little bit more settled in terms of their team and they wanted to get you know, something to look forward to. Get the W against the Thunder. You play them again in tonight's game. Just keep things rolling. Get some forward momentum uh, before you hit the regular season, but it just was not going in for them. They shot four of nine from three, but they weren't taking near enough shots to get up with the Thunder. They outscored them 27 to 24, but did it really matter? Honestly, no, it did not. So the Thunder nabbed their first win here. Big, big game from Darius Baisley. We've needed something like this from him. There was one play in particular where he drove in against Jokic, slashed from the left wing. It's kind of one of those awkward plays that you see uh, a lot from Teo, for example. Just like backing someone down from behind and then going in. He did that on Jokic. Put him in a spin cycle before going for a reverse. Serious business um, there, but yeah. All three levels, I liked them. Went two of three from distance, and that's all you need. Whenever you see a couple shots go in, it opens up your game, and it did just that. Lou Dort, same deal. Three of four from downtown. He finished the game with 14 points. Easily the most consistent guy we've seen through three games thus far. Derek Favors got 10 points in his debut. Everything and more. They just needed someone who could set screens, get rebounds, and get interior shots. He did just that, and Josh Giddy was spectacular yet again. 14 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists, one of which he was like driving inside, mid-air shot. He like slices a bounce pass, maybe like 2 feet in front of him to Jeremiah Robinson Earl for a basket. I would have never seen that play happening. You know, in real time, you don't really think much of it, but this was an elite level pass that he threw off like it was nothing. And there were a lot of other guys uh, who were good handling the basketball as well. Trey Mann as another guard went 5 of 10, 1 of 4 from 3. Like seeing him shoot the basketball though, he's got a serious bag when it comes to dribbling around. Really good speed. I hope he breaks out in Tulsa because that would be a fun one to cover. For Isaiah Roby, he finished with 14 points, went 4 of 10, but still pretty damn solid from him. Didn't see Jerome in this one, didn't see Kredge, no Muscala, no Watson, no Williams, and no DJ Wilson. And if you guys didn't hear one name, it's because he is now off the team. They waved my guy, Rob Edwards. And I want to do this probably in a more like extensive blue episode because we'll see what happens with him but this was a move that obviously hurts it was expected he joined a training camp with 10 other guards and you know the thunder gets to retain his g league rights it just hurts though he goes out there does exactly what he needs to do in summer league does the same in four minutes of preseason i said it on twitter but he averages like 75.5 points in 48 minutes next closest guys 20 points below him so just think of that obviously doesn't matter no but just let you know you know he goes in he does get you immediate effects whether it's good or bad 
I don't know if he's going to be sticking around with the blue. Truthfully, I think he's worth a two-way contract. If it's between him or Paul Watson, I'm going to give it to Rob Edwards based on the scoring ability. He's only 24, so I could see someone trying to take a swing at him, maybe foster him just like Frank Jackson was when he got a two-way with the Detroit Pistons, but best of luck to him. They swapped out Rob Edwards to get Jalen Horde, who is another guy who I'm kind of surprised uh, decided to come back. I thought that Jalen Horde was either going to go overseas or try another franchise because he didn't get an offer during free agency. I wouldn't have minded seeing him back with the Thunder. Uh, if he was back, though, I would have thought it would have been a two-way contract, just like Edwards. He doesn't get it. It's on an Exhibit 10 contract, so he should be back for the blue. And they got one other guy in Melvin Frazier Jr. back, who also was a bit of a curveball, maybe even more than the other two. Because Melvin Frazier Jr. was on the Wizards Summer League, I believe. He had health and safety issues that took him out of it. But he really didn't play that much for the Blue. I mean, he started as one of the big guys. I remember when they were making their first wave of signings. It was Antonius Cleveland, and then it was Melvin Frazier Jr. There's like the first two. Um, and he had a really impressive year with Lakeland for the past two seasons, I guess. He joins the blue, and he just falls down that depth chart. You see guys like Rob Edwards pass him. Ryan Woolridge passes him. He really wasn't even playing to close out the season, but they do want to bring him back. And I think Melvin Frazier Jr. is a great player. He got screwed over by the Magic. He's a guy who does have 3 and D potential. Just like maybe an Edwards, though, it's an interesting place to be at because there are so many wings and so many, uh, so many multi-positional defenders Best of luck to him, though, and I'll be covering all three of them if they all stay whenever we get into blue coverage. Should be very, very exciting. As for this game against the Nuggets, though, make sure to stick around for that one tomorrow. Going to get you guys the recap and the top players from that game. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.